0: I'm Chad Main, the founder of legal services company Percipient, and this is Technically Legal, a podcast about legal technology and innovation in the legal industry. Today's episode, we talk to two lawyers from the legal department of the collaboration software company Slack Cindy Wheeler and Mark Pike. Cindy and Mark talk about how they are streamlining communications with their outside counsel by leveraging Slack and minimizing the back and forth and inefficiency of email. They also discuss the cool stuff they're doing in the legal department through the use of bots and automated workflows. And they also offer some tips about how we all can stay sane and not get overwhelmed by the volume of all the electronic communications every one of us gets every day. We here at Percipient are big fans of project management software and collaboration software. In particular, we are big users of Slack and have been pretty much since the start of the company. That's why I'm really excited today to have two members of the Slack legal team on the podcast, Cindy Wheeler and Mark Pike. Cindy is the director of intellectual property for Slack, but she started her career as an electrical engineer at Intel. She went to law school via Intel's patent engineer program and ultimately ended up in the legal department at Apple, where she worked as a patent attorney and managed Apple's patent portfolio. Ultimately, Cindy moved into Apple's patent litigation group, where she managed Apple's offensive strategy in a little case you might have heard of called Apple v. Samsung, over whether Samsung copied features from Apple's iPhone. Even before she joined Slack last year, Cindy was using the app. In fact, her husband set up a family Slack channel. Mark Pike is also a director on Slack's legal team, but he refers to himself as product counsel. Prior to working at Slack, Mark was at Facebook, where he worked on video game and IP compliance to make sure companies using the platform were following the Facebook rules. Before Mark left Facebook for Slack, he was working on privacy issues for the company. So, what is Slack? It is a collaboration hub that can be used instead of email to communicate with your coworkers and teammates about projects and other things. We use it for day-to-day communications and project-based communications. And what is so great about it is that if you need to share information with your team, instead of using the good old reply-all email or drafting a single email to everybody that you want to give information to, you can post whatever you want to say in a Slack channel for everyone to see. In that channel, if anyone has questions or want to comment, that can be done there too, and everybody can see the responses and the answers to questions. And you get rid of the need for the back-and-forth email. In fact, as you will hear in this episode, the Slack legal department has pretty much moved all of its communications with its outside counsel away from email into Slack, and there are several benefits to that. The legal team also uses some of Slack's other cool features to get their legal work done, such as bots and automated workflows. As a side note, almost all the organization and scheduling of this particular episode was done via a Slack channel. I'll let Cindy and Mark explain more about what a Slack channel is, but the point is this. We kept email to a minimum, and people from two different companies worked on a project seamlessly on the same platform. All right, before we get to the nitty-gritty of Slack, I wanted to hear about the Pat phone that's in the Slack legal team office. That's Pat, as in patent, P-A-T.
1: The origin of it was that as we were trying to market the patent program and get people to be a little bit more interested in submitting ideas to the patent program, we wanted to figure out a way to get them excited. And uh, once we came out with the React G channeler, the ability to use a custom emoji to respond to uh, something in Slack. We noticed that the events API, the uh, ability to programmatically listen for certain types of activity within Slack and then trigger an action to take place, we we realized we could leverage that to do something in the real world, something tangible. So instead of just a, a button getting clicked on the screen, we realized we could have a, a Wi-Fi connected light bulb blink. and. Once we came up with that idea, we thought this would be a really cool way to light up our desks and allow people to literally see innovation happening all around them.
0: Is, is it just one? Is it several? Where Where is it? Is it in the legal department?
1: Yeah, it's in the legal pod. So usually when we're working from our desks, not like right now when we're sheltering in place, Cindy and I sit right next to each other. And so the PAT signal usually sits right between our desks. Right now, I've got kind of like a I'm imagining like a Pixar situation where the, the lamp is the pat signal has come to life and it's wandering around the office. But uh <laughs> it's alone. It's all alone in the office right now. I miss it. I, I might sneak into the office and either bring it home or send it to Cindy so that we can, you know, see it light up again.
0: And what what's it look like?
1: Looks like an old like lawyer's or banker's lamp, like a green banker's lamp. Something you'd see like if you walked into a I don't know, old school nineteen thirties bank sitting on a a bankers desk.
0: That's cool. And Cindy, once it, once it lights up, when does the IP team come in and what do they do?
2: So we get really excited whenever we see it light up. Um, there's a channel for patent idea submission. We've got a custom patent emoji icon. And whenever someone uses the custom patent emoji icon on an idea, uh, all of our engineers know that that icon will channel that post into our patent ideas channel. Once we see the patent signal light up the light lights up we go into the patent ideas channel and that kicks off the whole patent disclosure process so we have uh, a system that we use to track all of our ip disclosures we'll enter that disclosure in the system and it kicks off the whole workflow uh, we reach out to the inventors to get any documentation they might have we reach out to outside counsel to schedule a disclosure meeting Et cetera, et cetera.
0: That's really cool. You just mentioned channel. So let's get to that. What is Slack and explain what a channel is within Slack?
1: Let me start by rewinding a little bit and talking about just how work is changing. So it's a little bit more complex these days. People are working remotely, work's getting done faster, it's more dynamic. And we really think of Slack as a new way of working. And Slack replaces email inside your company. That's people have talked about Slack as an email killer, but really it's it's much more than that. It replaces email inside your company, and you need to think of an email inbox that was sorted by project instead of by the date you received a message, which is the way things typically work in email uh, chronologically, you get whoever emailed you last is at the top of your inbox. With Slack, channels are the building blocks of of work, and so you get alignment from you know organizing communication in a way that can span people, teams, and organizations so a quick example. As a lawyer, I might be in one channel to help the sales team support a customer and we could name that, that channel accounts Acme Corp. And so everybody who supports Acme Corp would be in that channel and they would have visibility into that entire inbox. Every, every conversation about that account, we'd all have the visibility into. And so if somebody new started at the company instead of having to forward them all the old emails and bring them up to speed, we could just add them to the channel. They would see the archive of conversations that have taken place and get up to speed right away. There's a backronym that some people use for Slack, uh, searchable log of all conversations and knowledge. So it allows you to access all those conversations and knowledge, whether it's uh, messages that have been sent in Slack, or it's from third party apps and integrations about those things. So, if you use uh, apps in supporting that account, you could use those and have them uh, pop up in those channels.
0: So, in, specifically, since this is a legal facing podcast, and the reason that I was, you know, I asked you guys to come on in and appreciate that you guys did is I saw an article. A couple articles written, one by you and one by Cindy, talking about specifically how legal uses Slack. There's a few ways. There's a few. You have a few types of different channels. You, you know, we've already talked about the one patent. You might have a channel for patent ideas and an individual patent itself. But then there's also you've got legal um, you know, Slack channels based on practice area. But also you've got Slack channels you share with uh, outside counsel too, right? Yes,
2: yeah, I think where Slack becomes really, really powerful. Is where you can connect with other stakeholders, whether internal or external, uh, in Slack, as opposed to just your own legal team. Because really, as lawyers, our job is to both counsel uh, our internal clients and coworkers, uh, and also work with outside counsel uh, on larger projects or to get advice.
0: What's the distinction there? You just mentioned shared channel. What's the distinction there between that and a, a normal
2: channel? You can think of a shared channel as just a channel that includes both people internal to your company or organization and people external to your company or organization. So it's not just employees of Slack or employees of Acme Corp. Um, It could be employees of Slack and employees of Acme Corp in the same channel collaborating. That's something that you typically would always use email for, right? Whenever you need to communicate with someone external to your company, in a written way, you typically send an email. Uh, With channels, you can now bring those folks from Acme Corp right into your internal workspace uh, and all of you can be together and you can get all of the benefits of having a channel where you have all of the past history and visibility into everything that's happening and everyone who's relevant can see that. Patent channels, great example. When we open a new patent disclosure, one of the first things we do is open a channel related to that disclosure. So, in that channel, we have in house counsel, usually myself and the uh, other in house patent attorney. We have our inventors. So, let's say there are three inventors. All three of the inventors can be in the channel and they can each contribute all of their knowledge related to the invention, any documents they have related to the invention. They can tell us about any future plans the company might have to use that invention, any prior art that they know of, really any knowledge that the inventors have about the invention that's relevant, they can put it right there in the channel. And then we also bring outside counsel into the channel. And so by doing this, in-house counsel no longer has to be the go-between between between outside counsel and the inventors. In-house counsel who are listening to this will understand and appreciate that that is a really frequent component of their jobs. Uh, Oftentimes, They're just communicating with outside counsel, finding out what outside counsel needs, then they go to the inventors, find out if the inventors have any documents or information, and then communicate those back to outside counsel. But by bringing everyone into one channel, it eliminates all of that redundancy and lets everyone truly collaborate uh, to get our patent applications drafted very quickly and very efficiently. And we end up getting really high quality work
0: products. It works for other type of legal matters too, right? You know, litigation. You you can can get your expert witnesses in there, and
2: yeah, absolutely. Similarly, we've got litigation channels uh, for ongoing litigation matters. So there, we typically will have in-house counsel and outside counsel. Outside counsel can, uh, for example, post draft pleadings, or outside counsel receives docket updates, and they can post the docket updates in the channel right away. If in-house counsel wants to request a call to talk about something, you can post it in the channel and say, hey, let's have a call about this. And so rather than having to search through my email for all emails related to XYZ litigation, I just go to my XYZ litigation channel. I don't have to search through potentially thousands of emails.
0: Speaking of calls, the call and video functionality in Slack we love it. It's so seamless. You don't need to send a link to somebody. If they're on the channel, you just hit that button. It's a great feature. Do you use that with, with your external people?
1: Yeah, no, it's great. It's, it's super easy. It's seamless. And one thing I love about it is that it offers uh, really the ability to do best of breed solutions. So if you are more familiar with using Zoom or Cisco, Jeans, you can set the default that Slack uses to be one of those other companies that fits in with whatever solutions your company's using. So some companies, when they click the phone icon on Slack, it actually makes a Zoom call for them. So it really allows you to use whatever tools work best for your organization. But I love it so that I can just ring up outside counsel at a moment's notice if I have a quick question I need to, to get on the phone with them about. And right now with everybody working remotely more than ever, it allows you to have more spontaneous interactions to, to quickly resolve issues
0: has there been any kind of a learning curve or pushbacks, not the right word, but any kind of um, roadblocks to getting people outside of Slack to use the Slack channels, or I, I guess, cause you, you guys are the client, maybe they have more incentive to do so.
1: Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. I'd, I'd say that, uh, you know, lawyers have a reputation for, you know, maybe being a little bit more conservative about uh, adopting new technology, maybe not your audience, Chad. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, listeners of this podcast are cutting edge, adopters, cutting, cutting edge. edge, uh, and all that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we've tried to do our part as, as Slack, the company to really make sure any of the lawyers we are working with are comfortable with using Slack. And we've actually put it in our, uh, during our onboarding process for, for outside lawyers or during our RFP process, uh, when we're interviewing them to see if they're a good fit, making sure they're comfortable with using Slack. So Cindy's helped draft that process. and maybe Maybe she wants to share a bit more about uh, how we approach
0: that. you would talk about that?
2: From Slack's perspective, it's important that our council use Slack not only to work with us effectively, but I think for any company, you want your council to have a familiarity with the product. So for that reason, I think uh, we don't see a lot of pushback necessarily. But as Mark said, I think that because it's new technology and law firms sometimes have Hesitation around adopting new technology and sometimes have uh, some pretty strict IT and security requirements. Uh, There can be a bit of a process that law firms need to go through to investigate how Slack can work for them. I haven't seen any pushback, and I think the law firms that we have begun working with in Slack have really seen how it can benefit their practices. Uh, I've gotten feedback from a couple of firms who were onboarded right around the time that the uh, work from home became a thing back in March. And they started using Slack, not just for communication with Slack and our patent channels, but throughout the firm. And they've said that it's really helped them to maintain the firm's culture uh, as they shifted to a 100% remote work environment.
0: I would echo that. has been That's been our experience here too. We were always a Slack shop but, you know, like one of the things we do is big document reviews, and we've always used Slack to talk to the team and communicate, you know, issues, look for this or do that, or this type of document is what we're looking for. And before the, the shelter-in-place, everything was done, you know, at, at the office for security reasons and various, but we've had to use remote, and I will agree with that 100%. Slack has been awesome even even now that we're do, in the shelter-in-place, and I think it does, it does promote the, your, your workplace culture. I, I echo that 100%. Cindy mentioned, too, security. She had alluded to that. You guys have some, especially you have a big organizations, but even some governmental organizations that use Slack that are, they have pretty sensitive information, right? I think I read that. Yeah. Uh,
1: I believe you can check out slack.com slash security to see a lot of the uh, compliance and regulatory requirements that we meet, as well as the uh, security merit badges we've earned. FedRAMP, Moderate, Authorized, I believe is one of those as well. But we offer a whole suite of services to help meet the security needs of of a lot of organizations.
2: To add to the security um, conversation a little bit, this isn't necessarily a security feature, but I think for legal teams, it's a very important feature. Uh, We've talked about channels, but we haven't really talked at all about private channels. And I think private channels are really important for a legal team. Uh, You have, in Slack, you can create public channels or private channels. And a public channel is a channel that's available for anyone in a workspace to find and join. So uh, you might not want to have everyone in your company find your legal channels because you want to maintain attorney-client privilege communications in those channels. So uh, having a private channel means that you're basically limiting the distribution list to those communications to only the people who you have added to that private channel. So you can really control who has access to what information at a pretty granular level, which is nice.
0: And there's also direct messaging, too. There's one-on-one messaging.
1: Oh, yeah, direct messaging. And we also have multi-party direct messages. So uh, up to seven people can be in there for uh, more impromptu things, things that maybe don't fit nicely into a private channel or a public channel.
0: We're going to step away from our talk with Cindy and Mark for just a couple minutes. And when we come back, they're going to explain how the company's legal team uses some of Slack's built-in workflow and automation features to more efficiently handle legal requests, answer questions, and push contracts and documents through their life cycle.
3: We need to do more with less. That is the key takeaway nowadays from almost every survey of in-house counsel. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if you actually could do more for less? By combining legal expertise and technology, Percipient enables legal teams to get more work done for less. Buried in contracts and sales is frustrated with turnaround time? We can help with that. Did you just get hit with a subpoena and reviewing 100,000 documents and files will tax your resources or cost you a small fortune in billable hours? We can help there, too. Our team of legal professionals leverage tech and project management principles with the right amount of human oversight to deliver precise, efficient, and cost-effective legal solutions. Whether it's legal operations and contract management support, subpoena compliance, or document review, Percipient is your partner in really doing more for less. Percipient. Legal services powered by technology. Before we get
0: back to Sydney, Mark, I wanted to mention that for every episode of Technically Legal, we have a dedicated episode page at TLPodcast.com. Those episode pages have more information about the stuff we talk about on the show. The episode page for today's podcast is a particularly good one because there are links to some great articles and resources about using and getting the most out of Slack. So I encourage you to check it out at TLPodcast.com. Also, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at cmain at percipient.co, that's C-M-A-I-N at percipient.co, or you can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can find us on most major podcast platforms such as Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, let's get back to our talk with Cindy and Mark. We pick back up the conversation with the two lawyers about how Slack users can take advantage of some cool built-in automation features to create workflows and bots for common repetitive tasks, including one bot Slack uses internally called Ruth Bader Ginsbot.
1: So workflows are the ability for you to take maybe existing processes that are repetitive, and figure out ways to make them a bit more scalable by creating forms that people can submit to help you get work done. So one example here is on the legal team, we frequently review content uh, that our marketing team puts together. And before it gets published on our blog or in marketing collateral, we like to review it for a variety of legal issues, things like intellectual property, trademarks, securities and corporate issues, or any number of things that might pop up anytime we're, we're doing marketing. Now, in the past, People would submit this to me to review in direct messages or they'd post on a channel and they would either upload a, a PDF or a Word document and would ask me to review it, but they wouldn't tell me what the due date would be or how urgent it was. And so I created a template and put that into a workflow that said all of the things I need to know to get this work done. So give me a Google Doc so that I can do collaborative editing with you. What's the due date? What's the urgency? Who's the audience? Here's a list of five issues that I typically review for. Can you go ahead and let me know if any of those stick out to you? And it's really allowed me to get back to my colleagues that much faster. It's allowed me to set expectations for them around when they can expect for me to get back to them. And it's really allowed us to get this type of what can be seen as rote work or repetitive work done in a much more efficient way?
0: It's an automation. A lot of it's automated too. Correct. I mean, someone you know makes a request for the, you know, then review the content, and then what happens? What's automated in, in part of that workflow that you're talking about there?
1: So that workflow right there, since there is a little bit of review on my end, is is not the best example of an automated flow. An automated flow might be if you have a new hire at the company, and every new hire at the company needs to get a new laptop and they need to get a desk space and a number of IT issues that need to be solved. And the IT department in the past had to send a bunch of emails back and forth with the person to say, would you like your mouse on the left side of your desk or the right side? What type of ergonomic keyboard do you use? Do you prefer a Mac or a PC? Now this way they can automate things and the person can fill out that flow, submits a ticket to their uh, help desk system. And by the time that they show up to work on their first day, their desk is set up perfectly. And a lot of that has become automated instead of having to do that work via email. So that's just one way that we can really automate things and allow us to focus on getting our best work done.
0: Now, what about Ruth Bader Ginsbot? Is that a workflow? <laughs>
1: so, Ruth Bader Ginsbot is amazing. We We absolutely love that bot. It's not a workflow, but it's a bot. So a uh, bot is... This particular bot we set up because we were noticing that a lot of our like required trainings and documents that we need to get signed and authorized by people were not getting done on time. And so the legal team would have to send these nagging DMs or emails that said, "Hey, we need you to sign into Workday and we need you to affirm that you've done these privacy or security trainings and we just weren't getting a good completion rate, and I was losing a lot of social capital sending these type of nagging emails. It wasn't the type of work I wanted to be doing, and I'm sure the person on the receiving end didn't want to be focused on it either. So instead, we leveraged this bot, Ruth Bader bot, legal bot, to automate things by checking our Workday roster to see who hadn't submitted their trainings and automated the reminders and sent them to Workday. And if they didn't complete it on time, we escalated things to their manager via the bot and noticed that by kind of capturing the culture of Slack, being a little bit more playful and giving the bot some personality, we found that people were much more likely to submit their trainings and affirmations on time. And we went from not a great completion rate to almost 99% completion rate within a week, which was an incredible lift for us.
0: You mentioned there uh, the culture of Slack is more laid back, more playful. And you you mentioned it early. Um, earlier, the emojis, you you have a specific name for them in Slack. Oh, ReactG. ReactG.
1: Yeah. So you can react to content that's posted in Slack with these emojis. And it's not just the emojis that maybe come with your phone or operating system, but you can also upload custom emojis that maybe capture your company's culture or Maybe there's a, a project you're working on and you've adopted a mascot for that project.
0: And the legal department has a mascot. It has, it has a G, right? Doesn't it have a... Well, we've got the,
1: uh, the patent idea ReactG that we talked about earlier where you can flag certain things and then use the G channeler to actually copy that message into a separate channel. We also use the Ruth Bader Ginsbot for a lot of things. We use a gavel to maybe show that we've approved something upon review or a green checkmark emoji to show that something's been reviewed and approved. So there's a lot of different ways you can leverage emoji to simplify a workflow. So instead of having to write an entire email that says, I have read this and reviewed it, and it's approved, you can just hold down an emoji,
0: send it, and you're done that's a good point too, is maybe informal as emojis are, you guys there are are using them for real, you know, communicative and business purposes. Like the eyes, I think I read somewhere you guys use double eyes to show you've read something or or are reading something.
2: Yep. We use eyes to show that someone's taking a look at it. Uh, I think one of my favorite emojis is the. we've got a number of different thank you emojis. Uh, Back in the world when I was still using email, emails that only said thank you were the bane of my existence. Uh, I, I would get like 20 of those a day and it's great because I love that people are being courteous uh, and appreciative of the work that other people are doing, but it just becomes more email. Uh, whereas in Slack, you use a thank you emoji. You can be courteous. You can also be playful and it's not extra work that you're making someone do by using that emoji.
0: While we're on the topic of how legal can interact with others in the the Slack organization. Tell me about how you help the sales team out, looking at contracts, approving stuff. I think you have a specific channel for that. Yeah,
1: so we uh, we use apps in the sales process. So Slack uses Salesforce, and through Salesforce, we're able to automate things to make sure that contracts get sent to the commercial lawyer who's assigned to that vertical or region. It's automated. It really streamlines things so that we can get things in front of the right people and get things done faster, so that's one way that we use third party integrations like salesforce and troops
0: and what what is troops? Explain that too so
1: uh my colleague uh, Adam on the legal operations side of things uh, set this up and i I know we talked about this in that blog post that I hope your readers can check out or your listeners yeah will. we will
0: i'll put I'll put a link to that on our episode page.
1: thank you, yeah, so that goes into a lot of detail about it now, as a product counsel i I'm not quite as plugged into how we leverage troops, but I know that the commercial attorneys uh, that I work with love it because they can get a daily reminder of what's in flight, what contracts and language they need to to review and really make sure things get to the right person at the right time and reduce that sales uh, turnover
0: cycle. As I wound down my conversation with Cindy and Mark... I asked them both to give me an example of an instance that they considered a big win using Slack either externally with people outside the company or internally there within the legal department. I also asked them for some advice about how to prioritize and not go completely insane with the barrage of electronic communications every one of us gets each and every day.
1: I was working on a matter for our our marketing team. They wanted to do a sweepstakes in Germany. And, you know, I know some things about the law, but I don't know about sweepstakes law in Germany. And I needed to leverage outside counsel on that one. And so before I went to bed, I sent a a message in a shared channel to our European counsel based out of Dublin and said, hey, can you find somebody on your team to triage this to uh, who has expertise in local law in Germany around sweepstakes? I went to bed. I woke up the next morning. Slack's the first thing I usually check when I wake up. I open it up. And sure enough, he had added local lawyer from his firm based out of Germany who knew all about sweepstakes law, was able to review the disclaimer for our marketing team, and was all caught up to speed without needing to forward any emails, without needing to change the permissions of any documents because uh, he was able to add them and give them the ability to see that context on his end. And it just it was so magical being able to just get that done and get the right the right document in front of the right person at the right time. So that was a huge win for us. And I know our marketing team appreciated that quick turnaround time.
0: Speaking of outside counsel, when you onboard law firms, you post your outside counsel guidelines in certain channels, right?
2: Yep. That's something that we just started doing um, fairly recently. We developed some outside counsel guidelines around our practices for intellectual property matters. And Having the outside counsel guidelines available in every channel that we have outside counsel in means that everyone at the firm has access to those guidelines at any time uh, so they can reference those guidelines and we're all on the same page. So it just makes things much easier and more efficient if uh, we all have access to all of the right documents to do our jobs.
0: And, and that's a beauty too. It's like many ways it's you know I mean, Slack is a knowledge management tool. And now if outside counsel has a question, they know where to go, go to look for the guidelines. They go to Slack. I think that's definitely one of the benefits. Um, going back to the huge win, Cindy, what's a, what's a huge win that you've had with Slack vis-a-vis outside counsel, or even within the legal department?
2: Gosh, um, there are so many. So here's a good example. This is something that we just implemented for our team recently. Obviously, we can't bring all communications into Slack. Yet, Because, for example, uh, people who have questions, we have a legal at slack.com email address, and it's on our website. And so if folks have legal related questions, things they want to submit, I think we refer to that address in some of our, our commercial agreements, there's email coming in to the legal at slack.com email address all the time. And oftentimes, the legal department needs to triage Uh, who responds to this, how do we respond to it. Uh, We have one email inbox and 20 attorneys potentially who could have relevant information. So we have now channeled all of the email from that inbox into a Slack channel where all of the Slack attorneys are. And we can all monitor that, or maybe one or two people are assigned every week to monitoring it. And you can flag for an individual attorney uh, whether or not they are the ones who need to be responsible for responding to that particular email. So I think that's also a huge win because before we did this and brought all of those emails into Slack, there wasn't a lot of transparency around who was responding to the emails. So sometimes someone would be responsible for monitoring the inbox, but they wouldn't know that someone else had already applied. And so there was some duplication of effort that was going on. Uh, and by bringing this all into a channel to triage, uh, we no longer have that duplication of effort. And there's transparency around uh, who's doing what and when.
0: Close things out. You know, in this day and age, there's a lot of different means of electronic communication. And even within Slack, you, you can have a bazillion channels, direct messages, all that. If someone comes to you and says, I love Slack, but it's, it's just, it's, there's just a lot, of, a lot of back and forth, a lot of alerts, a lot of channels I got to respond to and pay attention to, what do you tell them? How, how can they not get overwhelmed?
1: That's a great question. I've heard it from a number of colleagues. One thing I'd encourage you to do is set your notifications up correctly. Take the time, set them up on a per channel basis or set up a notification schedule so it's not disrupting you and your non-work hours. You know, if there is a channel you really can't miss a message about because it's a, an urgent pending legal issue, set up your notification so your phone buzzes a lot when that channel gets pinged. But if it's a social channel, a, a water cooler type channel, make sure that's not buzzing your phone. Mute channels, leave channels to reduce any noise. Probably once a month, I'll do a quick audit of what channels I'm in and really think about whether or not I still need to be in them. And then set up keywords and highlight words so you don't miss the things that are important to you. So for me, I focus a lot on privacy issues. Uh, There's certain you know, GDPR, CCPA type words that I wanna get a notification anytime uh, one of my product managers mentions those things so that I can uh, swoop in and, and help them uh, with any guidance that's needed. One other thing is to use your status to indicate your availability. Right now with everybody working remotely, you don't always know if your colleague is at their computer doing work or maybe they have some other commitments at the time. So I've got two young kids. And if I'm busy doing dad stuff, I put up a custom status that makes it clear to my colleagues that, uh, hey, you might not get a reply right away on whatever you're sending me. And I think that also helps reduce a lot of the noise to, to make sure people know when you're available uh, in this new world. So those are my tips and tricks. I'm sure, Cindy, you've got some others.
2: I do all of those things as well. I think the other thing that I would add is there's a feature that was recently released called collections, and it allows you to organize your channels into sort of folders. And I find that really useful. Uh, I manage an IP function that includes patents, trademarks, open source, IP litigation, licensing. And so I've created collections for each of those things. And all of my... Patent channels, for example, go into my patents collection, and all of my trademark-related channels go into my trademark collection. Uh, so I can see at a glance where I need to focus my efforts and energy at any given time.
0: I should have mentioned too, when we were preparing for the podcast today, Cindy sent me. You sent me an excellent article, which again I'll put a link to that on the episode page. But there were some cool features I didn't know about, and to, to sum up what, what you and Mark just said. The, one of the gists of the article was prioritize, but there was another cool features, and I didn't know. You can order your channels based on your use of the channels, and also, you can hide those that don't have new messages. That's, so that's probably a way to, a prioritizing thing and kind of directing your attention to what you should be looking at, I assume. Cindy, Mark, thanks for your time. If people uh, want to get a hold of you, how do they find you?
2: Probably best way to find me is uh, check out my LinkedIn profile, Cindy Wheeler, C-Y-N-D-I.
0: I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm
1: Mark Pike, M-A-R-K p-i-k-e and i occasionally tweet about nba basketball and other tech policy issues at mark pike on twitter
0: well that's it for another edition of technically legal we appreciate you listening if you want to subscribe, you can check us out on most major podcast platforms. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at co or catch me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Stay safe out there. And until next time, this has been Technically Legal.